according to many people, whether we're talking about a political culture or our government structures or institutions of all kinds, um, there is and has been a crisis in leadership. The buck never seems to stop anywhere, but is passed on from person to person. People become so desperate for a leader that, as we can see in our current presidential race, it sometimes doesn't even matter what the candidate says, as long as he or she says it convincingly. Content matters not at all. While it might seem that we live in a season of special crisis, This yearning for a leader is, of course, nothing new, nothing really new. Scriptures testify to this longing for a leader throughout, really. The books we refer to as the Old Testament could be lined up almost as a running debate on leadership. Some want a king. Others want anything but a king. Some suggest God only is the king. Some want a strong religious leadership. Others don't want a strong religious leadership. Some want authority figures with wisdom, and so the the judges arise. Others find them to be a problem. Others want military might. Others don't. On and on it goes. Over time, this expectation and hope sort of blend into one in the hope for a Messiah. And then it seems as though people listen and hear in this hope for a Messiah, the hope straight from the heart of God. It's not a human longing, but it's a plan from God from the very beginning. And so Jesus is born. Jesus comes into the world. God comes into the world as one of us. And a few people see in him this hope for the ultimate leader, this hope of the nations. And then at the crucifixion, that hope is dashed. The light goes out. God's plan seems scuttled completely. And then with a roller coaster kind of effect, beginning with Easter morning, there's new power. Resurrection power is revealed and flows out. Not only has Jesus been raised from the dead, but there's a new power in his rising, the power to heal and to rise and to renew. We hear about this power in today's first reading, this power as it falls upon those earliest followers of Jesus. You may have noticed that on Sundays during Eastertide, the season after Easter before Pentecost, we follow an ancient custom of replacing the first lesson from the Hebrew Scriptures with the first lesson from the Acts of the Apostles. It's an age-old tradition to sort of retell the formation of those early followers, what would become the church from an early date. And so the book of Acts tells us through story after story about the power of the resurrection as it's alive and working itself out among that early community of believers. For those who believe that Jesus has been raised, there's, there's new energy, energy that seems even to surprise them. As they tell others, that energy multiplies and increases 
We have this story today, almost in passing, this story of of Peter praying over Tabitha, who was thought to be dead, taken for dead, and then Tabitha is raised up in the full power of Jesus' resurrection. This story is, is told as a way to give hope that this power of Christ is unleashed in the world. A colleague of mine pointed out this week that this, this story also shows us that, that it takes everyone to witness to the power of the resurrection. Tabitha, who's even off on the edge of the story, that peri- the perimeter of the real story of Jesus and the early church, but she too shares in this full power of the resurrection and new life. Everybody's included Christ's power is is set out in the world, and it's for us, it's for all. In today's gospel, the power of Christ is concentrated in a form that would have been extremely familiar to people in the first few centuries in the ancient Near East, but it might seem strange to a bunch of Manhattanites. Jesus identifies himself as one who uses power for love, for care, in the way that a shepherd would care for his flock of sheep. What a strange image, if you think about it, for us living in an urban center in the 21st century. What do we have to do with sheep? What do we have to do with shepherds? And yet the image is a strong one, and it's a useful one. At times, the shepherd has to be strong and sharp and tough, protecting the sheep from the wolves or anything else that might attack. The shepherd has to be resourceful, repairing the fence, repairing the gate. But at other times, the shepherd is more like a mother, nurturing and caring and tending to the sheep that might be sick or the one that's wandered off in the wrong direction And sometimes like a tough mother using the crook to get the sheep by its neck and yank it back. The shepherd is a strong image. It's a broad image that that does touch on many aspects of who Jesus is as a living Lord who continues to lead. We're asked to follow from all sorts of directions. Follow me for a better economy. Follow me for a thinner body. Follow me for whiter teeth. On and on. Everybody wants us to follow. Presidential candidates, advertisers, bosses, supervisors, activists, many, many more. But as Christians, we're called to navigate a narrow way, a sometimes difficult way, to to get along in the world of work and social interaction, to, to pass, as it were, but all the while listening to a different leader. It's our task to try to follow God, to try to hear God's voice rising above all the others, or especially in our day when all the other voices are so loud and so shrill. Maybe it's God's voice that's very, very quiet, almost like a whisper. And so it's for us to do what we need to do, do what we can do, to try to sort out the voice from the voices, to hear the voice of the Good Shepherd, the one who knows our name and calls us by name. 
Today's epistle reading from the Revelation to John reminds us that God's care is not just in this life, but it it lasts into the next. Not only does God never forget our name, but God stands ready to extend God's love to us beyond imagination to that place where we're delivered from the valley of the shadow of death and we're carried to a new place where there's no more hunger, no more thirst, no more crying, no more danger. The sun shall not strike us nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be our shepherd and he will guide us to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. That's the promise, that's the hope of the revelation to John, the revelation to each one of us. Revelation uses this image of the lamb, so often the victim, the one that is sacrificed, but but here it's a restored and risen lamb. It's a lamb that's whole and complete. Again, these images of lamb and sheep and shepherd and leader can come from a different time and place, but they they can still speak to us in strong images that lure us on. Jesus promises to watch out for us, to care for us, to keep us safe. And if we begin to wander as faithful people, we can find other faithful people. There's the church, there's scripture, there's the voice of God in music and prayer and meditation calling us back, calling us to return, calling us to come home again. There's something about the good shepherd image that stretches throughout one's life. The children's uh, church school curriculum called the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd very carefully introduces Jesus as the Good Shepherd to some of the smallest children, knowing that they resonate with this image. They may not be able to articulate why or when or where, but the smallest child can understand that there is a shepherd who loves them, who calls them by name, just like a shepherd might care for a little sheep. At the other end of life, I've seen it again and again when I might visit someone in a nursing home and I'm told that the person is not really present, that the person has dementia or Alzheimer's. And yet, if I begin to say Psalm 23 or begin to sing Amazing Grace or say the Lord's Prayer, the lips begin to move. Something about Psalm 23 resonates in a deep, deep, deep place and allows us again to hear our name called and to know that we are loved and we are welcomed home. There's a wonderful old preacher's story that I sometimes can't resist telling on Good Shepherd Sunday. It's about a priest who liked to talk. I don't know one like that. This priest in particular was one of those who took a group of people on a tour of the Holy Land. And so this priest was on the bus wherever they would go. And this priest in particular was from rural England. And so this priest felt like he had a real grasp on all things agrarian and agricultural. He could talk endlessly about olives and olive groves, about wine and certain kinds of vines. And he loved to talk about sheep having grown up near them. And so he had told the crowd on the bus several times 
that especially in Israel, it is just like the scriptures say, the sheep follow the shepherd. The shepherd leads ahead and the sheep recognize the shepherd ahead as their leader. Perhaps the leader knows the names of the sheep, has named the sheep, but whatever is the connection, the the leader is out front, there goes the shepherd, and all the sheep follow behind. And so the bus rolls around the various roads in Israel and comes around a curve, and there is a clump of sheep, a whole flock moving along. But there's no shepherd at the beginning. There's someone at the very end. People begin to mumble on the bus and wonder, well, what's this? And so this priest on the bus has the driver stop, and he jumps out, and he goes to the man with the, with the flock of sheep, and he says, you know, I've just been telling all these good people that the shepherd always leads from the front, and the sheep recognize the leadership qualities of the shepherd and follow. And so what's going on? The man says, well, sir, you're, you're most correct. Um, the shepherd does always lead from the front. I'm the butcher. <laughs> Which is simply to say, we should be careful who we follow. <laughs> Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one shall snatch them out of my hand. That's a promise. If we stay close to Christ through prayer, through silence, through involvement at some level with a community of believers, a church, we will recognize the voice of Jesus. We will feel the presence of the one who never, ever forgets our name. As we continue to reflect upon and celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ and look for evidence of the resurrection in our lives, may we indeed always hear his voice and know him who calls us each by name and follow where he leads. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.